Well, good morning. Um, before I begin, I want to take a moment and just thank you for your involvement in the church vote last week. Uh, you know, if we truly believe that this isn't my church, this isn't the elder board's church, but this is our church, I think these, these congregational votes are important. Uh, because I, I think it needs to be a place to where you are heard, to where you are empowered, to where you have a voice into what God is doing within our church, where God is calling our church. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm never surprised when these church votes come back, you uh, like overwhelmingly supporting the budget and the proposed leaders. Uh, and that's what happened this last year. Uh, you overly overwhelmingly supported those measures. And here's why I'm never surprised. See, I think if we have a leadership that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to pursue the direction of God, and we have a church filled with people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit pursuing the direction of God, I fully expect that we end up on the same plane. We end up on the same path. We end up in the same direction. And that's what happens year after year after year. After all, it's what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 4. He said, there's one body. One spirit, just as also you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So again, I want to thank you, not just for your supporting the vote, but for asking questions, for interacting, to, for, to prayerfully seeking the direction of the Lord, and for your continued investment, uh, not just financially, but in leadership and serving and reflecting the glory of God throughout the Gino Valley. So thank you for that. Now, I got to say, I'm, I'm really excited about this next passage because this next passage is one of my favorite stories of Advent. And it's one of my favorite songs of Advent. And it's probably one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And it's not my favorite because of the powerful truth that's within it. And it's not my favorite because of who actually sang the song. It's my favorite because of who the truth is spoken to, a group of shepherds. Our next song is a song of angels. It's a song of peace. And it wasn't given to the rich, it wasn't given to the famous, it wasn't given to the authorities of the world, it wasn't given to the popular of their culture, it was given to shepherds. If you have your Bibles, you can join me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, we're going to read a little bit starting in verse 8, you can follow along with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It shall be for all people, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. You know, the culture back then, there were people that were burdened under the harshness of taxes. They were a culture who was worried about their government, the corruption, the authoritarian nature of their leadership. There are people who are watching the moral decline of their culture slip lower and lower and farther and farther away. These were people who had found that their own corruption in their religious leadership was leaving them wanted. These were people who had less and less faith in the peace that Rome could provide. These are people who had less and less confidence in the philosophy of the Greeks. But all of a sudden, one night, One night, all the angst, all the pressures, all the stress was given release through one angel and one angel's message to shepherds. As I was looking through the text this week, I was reminded of three truths about peace that I'd like to remind you of. Three truths about peace that was delivered that one night, the first advent, the first Christmas, that first time 2,000 years ago when peace was finally proclaimed. Three truths that I want to make sure that you understand. And three truths that I believe the shepherds understood as well. Let's begin again in verse 8. It says, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Something you need to remember about shepherds. Shepherds were considered by many to be the lowest of the low class. Shepherds weren't the rich. They weren't the famous. Although you have them in all of your nativities, most people didn't want them around. To be a shepherd, you rarely made enough money to care for your family being a shepherd, and so you had to do odd jobs around town and maybe even glean off the fields of the rich where you would go on the outskirts and the corners and glean food for your family. It wasn't illegal, but it certainly wasn't enjoyed by much of culture. But perhaps the harshest thing about shepherds is they were considered ceremonially unclean. You see in the Jewish customs, You had to practice certain rituals in order to be ceremonially clean, to be accepted by culture, to be welcomed into the temple. And these shepherds, because of their trade, were most often unable to keep those rituals. In order to become ceremonially clean again, it took an extensive amount of time and an extensive amount of money, both of which these shepherds didn't have. And so as a result, shepherds were often outcasts. They were cast out from culture, from communities, and even from worship in the temple. Yeah, I think if anyone's surprised that the angel came to announce peace, I think those shepherds are most surprised at all. Because that's why they were afraid, I would think, 
people who were outcasts from society, people who were cut off from God. Suddenly, look at verse 9. When an angel of the Lord suddenly, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, it says they were terribly frightened. They weren't just frightened, they were terribly frightened. They were shaking in their boots. They were beside themselves. They were confident this is God's judgment. After all, what more would God do to people like them? They're shepherds. They're unclean. They're outcasts. And suddenly they find themselves surrounded by the glory of God, by the splendor of God, the greatness of God, the brilliance of God just consume the entire area and they're convinced that they are just this close to judgment. But that's why we have the big biblical but. Verse 10, first word. When everyone's expecting judgment, the angel brings something different. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Don't fear. I'm not here to bring judgment. Don't recoil from me. Don't fear me. Don't fear my message. Don't be afraid for behold. Remember, anytime we see that term behold, we circle it. It means surprise. Something's coming that you're not expecting. For behold, surprise. I don't bring you bad news. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. By the way, for those of you who want to geek out in the Greek, that term good news, Luke uses over and over again throughout his gospel and throughout Luke or throughout the book of Acts to speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of salvation. So this angel begins this powerful movement right here. I bring you good news. I bring you this truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at this. I bring you good news of great joy. That term joy, by the way, means more than happiness. It's used to describe complete contentment. A reason to celebrate is not just joy, though. It's great joy, intense joy, uncontainable joy, a surprising amount of joy. This angel comes to these shepherds, these outcasts. They're assuming they're going to get judgment. But instead, they get this message of good news that should give rise to this great joy. And look how it ends, which will be for all people. Not just the rich. Not the famous, not the righteous. In fact, what did Jesus say later on? He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sick, for the outcasts, for the broken. First truth about peace that came that first advent, I want to make sure you know. Peace is for everyone. The peace of God is for everyone. The messenger of God and the glory of God didn't come first to the powerful of the world. It came to the broken. Listen to something else Jesus said about peace. John 14, 27. Tyler mentioned it earlier. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Look at something the Apostle Paul said, Romans 5, 1, about peace. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, so many of Paul's letters begin with this blessing of grace and peace. 
Man, it's one of the foundational characteristics of salvation with the Lord. A powerful truth about what came that first advent is peace, this contentment, this overwhelming restoration to the Lord. Can I ask you? Do you have peace? Not an absence of hostility. See, oftentimes we think peace is just a truce between warring countries. That's not peace as the Bible describes it. Peace is complete restoration, contentment com- uh, a contentment that comes with a complete confidence of a lack of judgment or violence. Do you have peace with God? So I love this story because this first night given to a bunch of outcasts is a powerful truth that everyone can have peace with God. But how do you get it? And maybe you're here and saying, Brian, how do I get peace? I'm not sure if I have this contentment. I still worry about the judgment of God. I still have angst about how to live my life, worried and fearful that if I make the wrong turn, that God's just going to thump me. Brian, how do I get this peace? And the story continues. Look at verse 11. This is still the angel talking. He said this, for today in the city of David, there's been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. Second truth about peace. Number one, peace is for everyone. And number two, peace is through Christ. He said, here's how it's going to be given. For today in the city of David, there has been born, there's this child, and look at the title. Number one, a savior, the term used to describe someone who delivers someone from oppression, from injustice, Someone who is empowered to pluck you from a precarious position and carry you over and place you in an entirely new position of honor and power and opportunity. Salvation doesn't mean to just pick you up out of a dangerous spot and leave you dangling. That is not salvation. A savior is someone who picks you up out of your precarious spot and places you in an entirely new position in his power, not yours. And gives you opportunity and privilege. The angel says, today a child's been born. He'll be empowered. He's a savior. And look at this. Who is Christ the Lord? That term Christ is the official term for the Messiah. This savior isn't just some special person. He's the long-awaited champion of God. It's the one who people have been waiting for for centuries. You've been praying for with this promise of reconciling you. But he's not just a savior. He's not just the Messiah. But he's the Lord, the ruler of all things, the one who created everything out of nothing, the one who has all all command and authority over all things on earth. This angel comes to these shepherds, these nobodies, these outcasts, presents this powerful truth that peace of God has been delivered that night and this peace is available for everyone. And this peace is found through that child. 
that peace is found through Jesus. You may say, Brian, that's just such a bold statement. How can we be sure? How could they be sure? Look at what the angel says. He says this, verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. This is what I love about God. Man, he sends this message knowing this is an out of your mind message. Hey, those of you who are outcasts, there's no more expensive rituals. There's nothing you need to do. Peace has been given to you through this child. These shepherds have to be thinking, how can we be sure? Here's a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes. Lying in a manger. Man, this isn't just a promise. This is something that's already been delivered. It's something that's already been accomplished. It's something that's already done and made available to you. And before they could even rationalize it, think about it, ask questions about it, wonder about it, look what happens. Verse 13, and suddenly, a term suddenly, immediately, right away. I mean, the shepherds, they were looking up. They saw one angel. They blinked. They looked up and they saw this. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude, a large number, too many to count, a multitude of heavenly hosts. That term heavenly host, by the way, a heavenly armor or army, a band of soldiers, a heavenly force. I mean, all of a sudden, these angels, I mean, you want to know a sign. Is this for real? Is this really from God? Is this something that God is doing? Is this something God has done? He says, there's just a sign. The baby's already born. It's already finished. It's already completed. This is already available to you. And suddenly there appeared at the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Glory to God. All honor. Everything that's due to God. All splendor. All greatness. God, you are awesome. All of a sudden, the sky is filled with this heavenly army of people backing up this message to the shepherds. And I was thinking this week, why would we be surprised by that? I was reminded of something that John describes. Look at the Book of Revelation chapter 4, something that John's describing in his vision of heaven. Look, he said the first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, the third creature had a face like that of a man, fourth creature was like a flying eagle, and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings full of eyes and around and within, continues in day and night. Around the clock, these creatures do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. If that's something that God deserves and experiences in heaven, why would we expect anything less when God comes and dwells among us? These heavenly hosts, were there were they guys in white clothes and wings? I suspect they're probably more like those Heads of lions and eagles and eyes all over, and the sky is just filled with them, and they're proclaiming the glory of God. Peace among men. Man, God, you did it. You brought peace to your people. 
But I want to make sure you see this. It says, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Man, this isn't world peace. This isn't something that every Miss America asks for. This is something way bigger than that. This peace with God, this gives you fulfillment and this gives you community and communion with God. God will be pleased with you. Man, I gotta ask you again. If peace is available to everyone and peace is found through Christ, my question, do you have peace? Not as the world gives. Not as the world even hopes. But as God gives. You know, there's a verse that I hesitate to share in sermons just because it's kind of super popular and quaint and everyone just kind of knows it. It's so familiar that we lose its power and its splendor. But I want to show you again. John three sixteen and 17, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, again, there's that truth available to everyone, shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Peace is available to everyone. And peace with God is found through Jesus Christ. My question Do you have peace? See, I think when peace came that first advent, when something that powerful, when something that important comes, it deserves a response. You can't just be forgotten and broken people. You can't just be outcasts and have the glory of the Lord come around you and have the heavenly host filling the sky, praising God for what he's accomplished that first advent. You can't just look at that and hear that message and then go on through life as ordinarily you would. It deserves a response. And these shepherds gave three. These shepherds responded in three ways, and I'm wondering if maybe one of these responses would fit for you. After they heard the message, look what happened, verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, look at this, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. That term, by the way, says they found their way. It wasn't something they went directly to. They searched. Man, they must have been to every manger scene in Bethlehem that night looking for the child. The shepherd said, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing. That term, see, doesn't mean to go look at, go gawk at. That term see means to understand it, to experience it, to learn about what was just announced. They wanted to experience. Let's go understand and experience what was just told to us. And so they searched. All of that town for that child. I was thinking this week, 
You know, throughout Jesus' ministry, there are still people searching, looking to see the power and majesty of God in the flesh. People would walk 100 miles to come and just see Jesus. And Jesus welcomed it, I want you to know. Look at something he said, John 6, 35. These are just a few. I mean, Jesus was asking people, come and experience, come and see, come and taste. He says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. All the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Look what he says next chapter, John 7. Now in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Look what he says in the next chapter, John 8. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people were coming to him and he sat down and began to teach them. Man, so much of Jesus' ministry was an invitation. Come, come and see. Come and experience, come and listen to my teaching. Come and experience my compassion. Come and be transformed by my power. Maybe this Advent is the time for you to finally come and see the goodness of Jesus. That's the first thing the shepherds did. They went to understand it. They went to experience it. I'd like to invite you, if you've yet to have and receive the peace of God, maybe this Advent, your response of hearing this song is to just come and see, but that's not where the shepherd stopped. See, after they saw, look what happened next. Once they saw Jesus, once they experienced him, once they recognized that what God had proclaimed through the angels was true. Look what they did, verse 17. And when they had seen this, when they had recognized, when they had understood that all of this was true, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. That phrase, made known, means to explain something fully, to reveal something that wasn't understood, to share a knowledge that others are ignorant of. These shepherds didn't just go through the streets yelling out Merry Christmas and thumping everyone who didn't say the same. If someone said Happy Holidays, they didn't just frown on them and scurr. They made known, they explained See, they went with the assumption that everyone hadn't seen Jesus the way they had. Everyone hadn't heard the angels the way they had. Everyone hadn't received the message the way they had. No, no, no. Once they experienced Jesus, once they saw him, they shared him. They made known in detail what was explained to them. No, 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 this peace with God is available to everyone. And all roads don't lead to this peace. No, 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 it has to be found through this Messiah. It has to be found through this child. No, 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 you can believe it. There was a sign. We saw the sky filled with heavenly hosts. The baby's just right down the street. 
Man, the second response of these shepherds, they didn't just take this good news and go about their life. They made known this message and this truth, and all in their community marveled, shook their heads in disbelief that this is something that God would do and that's available for them. So perhaps another way that you can respond is share this song with someone in your life. Who do you know that doesn't have peace with God? That doesn't know how to find peace with God? Who doesn't understand Jesus? Or maybe they've been burned by someone else who is just smacking them with truth. Maybe it's time for you to sit down and explain to them and show them Jesus the way you have seen him. It takes time, patience, compassion. First response of these shepherds, once they heard the message of these angels, they went and saw. The second thing, once they saw it, they shared it with someone else. One name, one person in your family, in your community, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, that you can explain, make known the truth of this song. There's a third response. After they saw, after they shared, look at how they finished out their days. Verse 20. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as been told them. You know what I love? These shepherds, once they know they have peace with God, once they heard this message, once they've shared it with others, they didn't try to move into the palace. They didn't go look for other jobs. They didn't all of a sudden storm the temple as if everyone else was wrong. No, no, no. They went back to who they were. Hey, I'm going to go back to being a shepherd. But a shepherd with peace. And look how it describes them. They went back to where they were, but they were changed. Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. By the way, that term glorifying God, it's the same term describing what the heavenly host did in the sky just verses before. You know what I love? When the story started, these shepherds were outcasts, cast out from culture, believed they were cast out from a relationship with God. And you know how the story ends? The angels drifted off to heaven and these shepherds have risen up to take up their call. The very thing the angels were doing on earth earlier in the story, the shepherds are doing now. The shepherds celebrated what God had given them, what God had accomplished for them and what God had changed in them. You know, we tend to think that if we want to influence the world, we need the power of government. We need the riches of man or the fame of culture. But what if we didn't need any of that? What if we just need a song? A song of peace that was delivered 2,000 years ago to a bunch of broken people. 
bunch of outcasts, bunch of forgottens, broken people who likely thought they were too broken for a relationship with God, trying to live out their days in the most comfort they could. Little did they know on this one night, the peace of God that surpasses all human comprehension would be delivered to them that night. If we want to see our community changed, perhaps we don't need more anger, more power, more authority, or more money. Perhaps what we need is a little more confidence and boldness in the message that was proclaimed to a group of shepherds and hopefully understood by you and me. So today we light the fourth candle of Advent. A candle that symbolizes peace. Peace with God. That's available to everyone. It's found only through the life and death and acceptance of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And it deserves a response from you. After everything God has done during Advent, how will you respond? Maybe it's time for you to go look and see for yourself. Maybe it's time for you to share it and make known the truth of God. Or maybe you just need to celebrate and go back to your life complaining less about the struggles of this world and celebrating more about the glory of your God. Let's pray. Jesus, we're here this morning. God, many of us, most of us. God, because we do believe in your power and your gospel and your glory, God, we believe that you've created everything out of nothing. We believe, God, that everything that you built, everything you created originally was good. And you created your people to have communion and relationship with you. But God, we also believe that it was our sin, our struggle, our failure, our rebellion, our greed, our lusts that have separated us from you. But God, we're also here to celebrate. Many of us, most of us, that you've created a path for us to have peace again. God, we confess to you that in the hustle and bustle of life, amidst our parties, our celebrations, our gift buying, the busyness of the season, our plans of vacations, our family dramas, and the end of school, and the beginning of a new semester, in the midst of planning weddings and graduations, God, we forget about the greatest gift given to us 2,000 years ago. So God, I pray that you open our eyes and allow us to understand your peace the way those shepherds did. 
God, open up our eyes, allow us to receive it once again in splendor and awe. That the power of it, that the majesty of it wouldn't be lost on us because of the familiarity of the story. God, renew in us a respect and a gratitude for the peace that you've given. God, I pray that you fill our hearts with celebration with worship. God, may you restore in us this joy of our salvation for the remainder of this season. God, for this next week before Christmas, God, may you protect us from being focused on things of this world. And God, empower us to be focused in celebrating what you've done. And God, I also ask that you would put one person in our lives that needs to see you as we have. God, bring one name to mind. Bring one person in our lives this week that we could make known to them the power of your message, the opportunity of peace with you. God, give us boldness. Give us courage. God, empower us as you did those shepherds. Remind us, God, that we don't don't need seminary. We don't need knowledge. God, all we need is your word and courage and boldness, God, that your spirit would speak through us. God, give us one person that we can share your message, your glory, your gospel to. God, I pray if there's anyone here who has yet to have peace with you. God, perhaps there's people here who think they're too far broken. They're too rebellious. They're too damaged. God, may you open their ears, allow them to hear your invitation as those shepherds did. God, perhaps there's people here who have known you but have walked away and wondering if there's still peace again. God, may you give them confidence. Open their heart. That they might hear your Holy Spirit remind them of your invitation. God, for those people who are looking for peace today, Jesus, may you hear their repentance. May you hear their acceptance of your sacrifice, of your offer. May you fill them with your spirit today. May you hear their prayers, forgive their sins, give them peace with you, and guide them in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake for the rest of their days. For everything in Jesus' name.